Romans 1, verse 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God has made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. And now, Lord, as we undertake to open these few verses in order to see your description of man without God, I pray that we would be made sober and earnest I pray that trifling and tomfoolery would be removed from our minds and hearts. America is a very doodling nation. We fritter away our infinite possibilities of knowing you. And I ask now, Lord, that some of that would be destroyed right now as you come and there would be a weight upon this people of glory this text is all about the exchange of glory the loss of glory in exchange for lizards and tigers and statues Lord it's an appalling thing be appalled O heavens be shocked Be utterly desolate, says the prophet Jeremiah. My people have committed two great evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The dark exchange. Lord, I plead with you that I would be able so to speak these words that people would be rescued from the dark exchange come with your light I pray and shed it abroad in our hearts in Jesus name I pray Amen now for three weeks we're going to be looking at two dark exchanges that characterize fallen humanity. The first dark exchange is the exchange of the glory of God for images described in verses 21 to 23. We'll spend today on that. And the second dark exchange is the exchange of sexual relations with the opposite sex for sexual relations with the same sex which I will spend two weeks on starting next week, which is what verses 24 to 27 are all about. And next week, and I hope you'll be thinking and praying about this, 
we will begin by pondering the connection between the two exchanges. It is no accident that he speaks here of a fundamental exchange of the glory of God for man and then a subordinate exchange of the opposite sex for the same sex. There is a very profound thing going on here that our nation and our culture and our church needs to hear. And I would only mention to parents that you really should take heed as to whether or not you want to make this a season of teaching your children about homosexuality because this text is very blunt, very painful, and you will have to come to terms with this with your children. So you decide this week whether you bring them for the next two weeks. Today we focus on uh, verses 21 to 23 and the first dark exchange of our culture. It's called idolatry. Let me get you the context here again in case it's not up to speed in your mind. God's wrath, according to verse 18, is being revealed now actively against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And the truth, it says, that they are suppressing is truth that is universally available. Everybody has it. We saw this last week. Therefore, everybody is without excuse because though they have it, verse 21, they don't glorify God or thank Him. They suppress it. And therefore, they're without excuse against this wrath that is coming upon the world even now. Today, we focus our attention on what Paul says about this dark exchange in verse 23. I think the reason Paul lingers over these dark things in verses 18 to 23, indeed on further, is because he wants us, number one, to flee from this exchange, and number two, to help others escape from this exchange. Because if you're in the midst of it, you're dark and futile in mind and don't even know you're making an exchange anymore, probably. And therefore, surely one of the points is is the cause of love in the world by which we can help people escape from this exchange. Now, I see at least four observations that need to be made about this dark exchange. Before I give them, let me make sure we get the exchange in front of us. Let's read verse 23. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image uh, in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now note well, this is all about the exchange of the glory of God for other things, images, substitutes, copies, That's the concern. 
Now I want to linger here for just a moment because we're a church and I'm a pastor for whom this reality is the reality, the glory of God. If, if there's anything I would like to be known for as a church is they love the glory of God. They are consumed with the glory of God. They're always talking about the glory of God. They say things like things come from the glory of God and go through the glory of God and are to the glory of God. And they sing unto the glory of God. God's big in this church. The glory of God seems to be the air they breathe. Now, if that's so, and may it be more so, then we surely need to pause and say, is that just kind of Piper's hang-up? Or is that the, the center of the Bible? Is that the peak of the Bible and the bottom of the Bible and the, the breadth of the Bible? Is that the warp and whoop, woof of the Bible? Is that the root problem of the human being? And is it the radiance of heaven? And is it the goal of the universe? And therefore, every time we look at the Bible and we bump into this, Paul uses it 60 times in his letters. Then we need to linger for just a moment and test ourselves as a church. Because it's easy for churches to get on hobby horses and get all out of proportion and all out of whack. We must constantly check ourselves biblically with this matter. Now, what I see here in this verse 23, especially as I see it relating to 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of what? And the word there for fall short is lack. All it is is another restatement of this exchange. Sin is to trade the glory of God for anything. That's sin. That's the meaning of sin. So we're on to something here. This text says that the great unifying reality of the Bible is the glory of God. This is the meaning of the universe. This is the root problem of mankind that we traded off. Let's make sure we see this. Two times, two times in this text. If we jump back into last week's verse 21. You see that? Even though they knew God, they did not literally glorify Him as God. The fundamental problem in mankind is the failure to magnify the glory of God in the way we think and feel and live. Now, that's one. In verse 23, he says it again. We exchange the glory of God for images. So the great problem of the universe is what does mankind make of the glory of God? That's the problem in the universe. And it is the problem beneath all marriage problems. It is the problem beneath all parenting problems. 
It's the problem beneath all addictive problems. It's the problem beneath all criminal problems. It's the problem beneath all financial problems. And unless we get this, we will be trying to put band-aids over and over and over again on the cancer that can only be healed by dealing with the glory of God and getting it into the right place in human hearts, namely everywhere. If people were consumed with the glory of God instead of themselves, God would take care of the self and it would be massively healed. And we are being given bum steers today in many places about how to get our souls fixed with very little attention to the magnificence of the glory of God as it is meant to be dealt with by the human soul. Mm, may God open our eyes to what this text is about. Notice, he does not begin with sex. That's not the big problem. Homosexuality is not the big problem. It's a problem. It's not the big problem. There's something far deeper going on in me, my sexual temptations, and you, your sexual temptations, than sex. That is further down the river. There is a spring of evil rooted right here in verse 23 called the exchange of the glory of God for substitutes, copies, images. This is the fundamental problem of the race and of the universe. Do we magnify the glory of God by treasuring it above all things or do we belittle it by treating it for other things? That's the issue. And it's the issue you're going to face this afternoon as you choose what to do with your mind. The issue you, you face every weekend, teenagers, when you decide whether to go to a movie or not and what kind of entertainment to engage in. This is the issue. And oh, how we become vain in our speculations and dark in our hearts trying to keep it from being the issue. Diverting ourselves into every kind of moralistic question about our lives rather than the God questions. Oh, it's so big. It is so big in the Bible because it's big in the universe. And it's big in this text. It is a huge issue. May God now awaken now. Just now, and as we move ahead, awaken a love for the glory of God in your hearts. Would you be just praying that quietly right now? Just to yourself, as I'm preaching, just be praying for you and the people around you. Oh God, awaken me to love the glory of God. I'm not even sure I know what he's talking about. All right, I've got four observations I want to make about the exchange 
the dark exchange of the glory of God for images. Number one, the dark exchange of God's glory for images is accompanied by futile futile speculations. It's accompanied by futile speculations. Verse 21, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. That is, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks. But, here it is, they became futile in their speculations or their thoughts. They became futile in their thoughts. Futile means empty, vain, useless. Let me ask you this. Why do you have a brain? Why do you have a brain? Or why do you have reasoning power? Why did God do that to you? Create you so much different than a dog or frog. Why do you have reasoning, thinking, meditating, pondering capacities? The reason you have them is so that you might know God and think about God and devise things in the world to the glory of God. That's the only reason you have them. And when you turn from God, the whole process becomes vain. Brilliant, though you may be scientifically or artistically. Vain. Empty, futile. Let me illustrate this. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4 had a mind and power. And it says that he built Babylon and then stood on the roof of his house and said in chapter 4 verse 30, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power? And God was so displeased by that sentence and that use of the mind that it says Nebuchadnezzar was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. Why do you suppose God did that? Why did he turn him into an animal? Reason? He had just used his brain like an animal. Of course he built Babylon. So what, God says? For his glory, that's animal. You've lost me. And therefore your whole mind, Nebuchadnezzar, is as futile as an animal. Now, notice how he gets healed. It says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, God, and my reason returned to me. You want reason back, you futile speculators, you darkened minds? Do you want your reason back? Lift your eyes to God. 
For you were only designed to use your brain for God. And believe me, God is worthy of your brain. And you'll never exhaust your mental faculties spending them on the infinite. But you will become animal-like spending them on anything but the infinite. And then it says, he lifted his eyes to heaven. His reason returned. My reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and glorified him who lives forever. That's what you do with your reason when it returns. When your eyes are Godward, your reason returns Your mind was made for God, which is why Paul says all speculations become futile, vain, empty when we do not glorify God. When we don't see his glory, love his glory, glory, cherish his glory, but instead trade his glory for our glory in the use of our minds. Don't do that. All your thinking will become futile. Observation number two. The exchange of God's glory for images is accompanied by darkness of heart. Verse 21 at the end. They became futile in their speculations and, next problem, their foolish heart was darkened. Why? Why does darkness come when God is exchanged for images? Here's the reason. The only light that can lighten the heart is the glory of God. The only light that can lighten the heart is the glory of God. Now think with me about this. This is heavy and this is awesome. Compare for a moment physical light streaming from those bulbs up there and coming through the window. Physical light in relation to the body with spiritual light that cannot be seen with physical eyes, that is intended to enlighten the heart. Compare those two things with me. Jesus did this comparing in Matthew 6.22 like this. He said, The eye of the... The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear your whole body will be full of light. Now, what did he mean by that? He meant, in the human body, there is absolutely no light-producing faculty. Period. Zero. It must come from without. And the eye is the lamp through which light comes into the body, enabling the body to see and move through life without stumbling into destruction. Now, move over to the spiritual side. This is what Paul is doing 
here. The spiritual light. There is no light-producing faculty in the human heart. The human heart is either lightened from without by spiritual reality called the glory of God, which will one day, according to Revelation, replace the sun and replace the moon, or darkness. You've got two options. The heart is made light with the glory of God streaming in through the eye of faith, or darkness. No third option. Because the only light for which the human heart was designed is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. I just quoted a text. You know where that came from? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Let me say it again. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now that's physical light. So he's making the comparison again. Paul is. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has, now he shifts, the one who has shown in our hearts to give what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The only light for the heart is the light of the world. Who's that? Jesus. I am the light of the world. The glory of God shines in the face of Jesus Christ. When Christ is beheld and embraced by the eye of faith, light streams into the heart and makes the darkness flee. And we become full of light. But when you exchange the glory of God in the face of Christ for images Darkness settles upon the face of the earth and your soul. You're only dark. The only thing in the universe that sheds light in the human heart is the glory of God. Do not trade it away. Observation number three. The exchange of God's glory for other things is always felt to be wise by those who make the exchange. Verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be wise. It always seems wise to the natural man to choose your own God or to make your own God. I mean, there are obvious advantages. Obvious. It's wise. It's wise to make your own God. Just tabulate the advantages. For example, it shows that you are resourceful. Oh, how people like to give the image of resourcefulness. I just went down and spoke at Chicago uh, yesterday and the day before. And uh, this hotel, the Weston Hotel... Pretty, pretty nice hotel, has what they called uh, amenities. The guy knocked on my door and he said, the hotel amenity, and I didn't understand him. I said, huh? <laughs> I said, uh, an amenity. Held out a tray. I said, fine. Had beer and water and pears and peaches 
and three magazines. They're not sex, don't worry. <laughs> Number one, money. Number two, Forbes. And number three, a Chicago magazine, where's it at, or something like that. And so, I never look at Money Magazine or Forbes Magazine. Golden opportunity, right? Just, it's very clear what these are about. They're about image. And to give the image of being a resourceful person is a huge driving power in this country. So, there are advantages, obviously, to making your own God rather than just taking what you get by the universe's reality. So, there's one, or here's another one. It shows that you're creative if you can make your own God. Or third, it shows that you're intelligent. Or best of all, all of those stroke your ego and show that you are independent and in control. And everybody wants to be independent and in control and self-determining. And believe me, if you just get stuck with the real God, you're none of that. But if you can make your own God, no matter what it is or what form it takes, from the most primitive culture to the most sophisticated computer designer, then you can be in control. You think. And so it always seems wise to trade God for one you can make. That's shrewd. That's shrewd. That's smart. And that's what Paul says here. Remember the story? Satan. God knows that on the day that you eat of this tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband, and he ate. From the beginning to this very day, it has seemed wise to be independent from the only true God. It's wise. Well, the last observation is, nope, it isn't wise. Let's read it again, verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. That's the fourth observation. It is foolish... To exchange the glory of the true and only God for images, even if it looks wise. Now, why is it foolish? I close with two observations here as to why it is so foolish. It's foolish to create your own God, be your own God. It's foolish to lean on futile speculations and to have a darkened heart. Why is that? Why is it futile? Now, there are a couple of answers in this text, and then next week... There's going to be another answer. So I want to close by encouraging you to fight against this foolishness and point out what these two reasons are for its folly. Number one, Paul shows that the exchange is foolish by emphasizing the infinite difference in value between what you trade away and what you get in its place. 
The glory of God is of infinite value, and what you get in its place is infinitesimally small in value by comparison. And you can see how he stresses this in verse 23. It says, they exchanged the glory of God for incorruptible, for they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Now, I'm going to give you a literal rending here because this, this NASB translation misses, I think, the power of these words. Here's the literal rendering. They exchanged the glory of God, the glory of the incorruptible God, for, now watch, for a likeness of an image of corruptible man. Now here's the point of those strange piling up of words. The exchange is being made, presumably, because of the wonder of man here. But man, according to Genesis 1.27, is an image of God. So if you could get man in exchange for God, you'd be getting an image. So is that what the exchange is being made for? No. The exchange is being made for the image of man. Is that what it's being made? Is that what you get when you make the exchange? No, you don't even get that. You get the likeness of the image of a man who is infinitely small in his imaging of God. You see the point here? The point is distance. The point is what you get when you trade God is the copy of a copy of a copy. And when you take a Rembrandt and get a copy of a copy of a copy, it's worth a nickel. And maybe you can get it at the dime store. Or you might have to go to the art museum and pay a dollar. And that's what many people are doing. Millions of them. And probably some in this room. It's a very sad exchange. When the masterpiece is traded away for a copy of a copy of a copy. Now this has incredible relevance for us. We live in a culture today, don't we? Where it is not a sorrowful confession. It is a boast to say, image is everything. When a culture boasts that image is everything, it's almost over. It's almost over. Well, may we be a church who say, No, the glory of God is everything. You got chances at work to say this. When people in kind of a bantering mood joke, Images everything. You say, I don't think so. I think the glory of God is everything. I see. That's good. That's good. That's good. Let us go with him outside the camp bearing abuse for him. If you never get a look like that, you're not talking like you're supposed to be talking. Let us go with him outside the camp bearing reproach for him. Get a look this week. Get a look. Okay? Open your mouth and say, I don't think so. I think the glory of God is everything. Get a look from those who are foolish 
That's, that's the first. It's, this, it's, it's foolish because you get a copy of a copy of a copy. Here's the last reason why it's foolish. Notice the word incorruptible and the word corruptible. They exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for the likeness of the image of corruptible man. God is imperishable. He never dies. He never stops being. He lasts forever. And what is man? Isaiah 40. Surely man is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, the Word of God stands forever. Well, if man is grass, then the copy of a copy of a copy of man is worse than grass. Do you want grass or do you want God? Pray that God would open your eyes to see the glory of God above grass. Name your grass and call it what it is. Here's another thing to say at work. I got a new... I'm afraid to say anything. I'm going to step on some toes here. You know, whatever. Whatever people are boasting in. I got a new one of those. (laughs) And say to them, Hey, you know what? That's grass. (laughs) Get a look. Come on. We want looks this week. We want looks this week. That's grass. What do you mean it's grass? Got a Bible? Let's go to Isaiah. Oh. Isaiah, man, did he get, did he know life? And read Isaiah 40. Let's tell him, go on. You read Isaiah, go over the Xerox machine. And give him Isaiah 40. Tell him to read it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. It says your, your thing, this thing, is grass. Get a look and open your mouth. So, here's what it boils down to. Are you going to trade... Take that word, corruptible and incorruptible. Are you going to trade a diamond for a peach forgotten at the back of the refrigerator? Are you going to trade a ruby for a banana sitting in the sun for a week? Are you going to trade gold for a bolt? Like the bolts on my railings on the back porch, rusted in the rain. You're going to do that? You know I'm going to do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make the exchange. Be like, closing exhortation, be like William Seward. Secretary of State, 1867, who traded, be like this man who traded $7,200,000 for ice called Alaska from the Russians. Such a deal. Everybody said, Seward's folly. What a stupid, asinine exchange. That's what they say about Christians when you give up anything for God. But you know what? Billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of dollars in resources have come back to us from Alaska. And so will it be from God forever and ever and ever and ever if you will be like 
William Seward. And instead of trading God for images, trade everything for God. Let's pray. Oh God, oh God, work in our hearts now. As we head out of here to Sunday school or to nursery work or to sit in our cars and weep at how little we've made of your glory, go with us. Help us. Why don't you stand for a benediction? Well, may the Lord give you eyes to see. May light, namely the glory of God, be shed abroad in your hearts. And may your hearts be so awakened spiritually that you can savor it and see it and then spread it. Get a look this week at work. You're dismissed.